Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. Week 10 was headlined by Air Force getting knocked off by Army. Fresno State outlasting Boise State in the battle for the milk can. And some other contenders getting convincing wins as well. We'll then talk about what's to come in week 11. As always, we'll finish the show by handing out this week's Hikes Peak Weekly MVP. Let's get right into it with the big upset of the week. Army taking down Air Force in insane fashion in a game where all signs were pointing to Air Force rolling. The exact opposite happened. Army quarterback Bryson Daly broke off a 62-yard touchdown run to open the game, followed by the Falcons turning it over on downs at their own 34-yard line. Army got a field goal out of it, but the snowball just kept rolling. Zach Lariat would fumble the ball a few plays later, giving the Black Knights the ball back past midfield. After a third and fourth down conversion, Bryson Daly ran in another touchdown, this time from five yards out. The Falcons down 17-0 after just 13 minutes looked shell-shocked. On the second play of their next drive, Emmanuel Michelle would cough it up, recovered by Army, which would lead to another field goal. Air Force finally got a drive going, getting down to the 23-yard line, but their third fumble of the half would doom that opportunity. They would get on the board with a short field goal before halftime, but after Zach Lariat made a terrible decision with 19 seconds left and forced a pass that led to an interception, which Army gladly cashed in on with a field goal to make it 23-3 at halftime. The second half was a defensive struggle with neither team getting back on the scoreboard, but Air Force would turn the ball over three more times, making it six on the day and four just for Zach Lariat. The Falcons haven't turned it over six times in a game in 19 years. That's pre-Troy Calhoun. What's even more baffling is how well Army played offensively. Their defense has been solid all year, but considering the fact that they only scored 14 points in the prior week's loss to UMass, who has the second worst defense in the country, in what universe does that team then immediately blow out the team with the third best defense in the nation? Welcome to Service Academy games, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Monken and Army have a chance at stealing the Commander-in-Chief trophy, and Air Force finally gets tripped up and may have fallen entirely out of the Group of Five race. Bryson Daly finished 4 of 9 with 40 passing yards, and he ran the ball 36 times for 170 rushing yards and 2 touchdowns. Leo Lowen had 12 tackles, 2 tackles for loss, a sack, and 2 forced fumbles. Quindrellen Hammonds had 6 tackles, 2 tackles for loss and a sack, and Bo Nicholas Paul had five tackles and two interceptions. Zach Lariat just could not protect the football this game. Nine of 22, 93 passing yards, two interceptions, and on the ground he had 45 rushing yards and three fumbles. Jaden Goodwin finished with 12 tackles and half of a tackle for loss, and Bo Richter finished with 10 tackles, half a tackle for loss, and a deflection. Next, let's talk about Boise State going to play Fresno State in the battle for the milk can while these teams have had opposite seasons in terms of reaching expectations. They both entered this game with a 3-1 record in conference play. The Bulldogs opened the contest with a touchdown drive with Mikey Keene hitting Trey Watson from 25 yards out. The rivals would trade field goals before the Broncos turned it over with a Maddox-Madsen interception leading to another field goal for Fresno State. Down 13-3 with two minutes left in the half, Boise State was in danger of getting blown 
blown out, but Sei Oladipo picked off Mikey Keene near midfield. The Broncos were able to capitalize with Maddox Madsen finding Billy Bowens in the corner of the end zone with six seconds left on the clock. They squibbed the ensuing kickoff, which Malik Sherrod fielded and took to the house, splitting the defense to steal seven points before halftime, 20-10 Bulldogs. Boise State went three and out to start the third quarter, and Fresno State picked up right where they left off with a 14-play drive being capped off by Elijah Gilliam from a yard out to make it a 17-point lead for the Bulldogs. The Broncos would use a pair of big pass plays to move down the field and got back into the end zone with George Holani, who had been their offensive focal point with Ashton Genty out. Entering the fourth quarter, both teams would hit field goals to make the score 30-20 to with 10 minutes to go. Before Maddox Madsen got Boise State within striking distance with a 27-yard touchdown run. Up three with five minutes to go, Fresno State picked up two first downs before Malik Sherrod continued to leave his mark, breaking free for the 52-yard game-clinching score. The Broncos hit a field goal to get a shot at the onside kick, but it was no good, leaving the milk can in Fresno for the second straight year. Fresno State improves to 8-1 and and now has the inside track to the championship game, while Boise State drops to 4-5 and after coming up short without Ashton Genty, leaving even more questions about what the future of the program holds. Mikey Keene had a solid day, finishing 24 of 38 with 290 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Malik Sherrod had a game for the ages, 21 carries, 132 rushing yards, and a touchdown, of course, the game winner. Four catches for 28 receiving yards as well, and of course, the 95-yard kick return touchdown, and of course, the 95-yard kick return touchdown at the end of the first half. Magdalena had a nice game with six catches for 85 yards. Tight end Trey Watson continues to have a very nice season. Three catches, 58 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Dean Clark finished with eight tackles. Evo Bridges finished with five tackles and a sack. Alzillian Hamilton had four tackles and an interception, as did Phoenix Jackson. Maddox Madsen played all right, all things considered. 22 of 42, 258 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception, and he ran for 61 rushing yards and a touchdown. George Olani in his first extended playing time of the year played quite well. 19 carries, 79 rushing yards and a touchdown. Also had six receptions for 61 receiving yards. Eric McAllister had eight catches for 85 receiving yards. Of course, the elephant in the room, Eric McAllister entering the transfer portal and leaving the team. We'll talk more about that later, but oh boy, not a good sign if you're a Broncos fan. Billy Bowens had three catches, 40 receiving yards and a touchdown. Andrew Simpson continues to be a stat sheet stuffer with 12 tackles and two and a half tackles for loss. Sayola Depot had seven tackles and an interception, and Ahmed Hassanane had five tackles and a sack. Next, we have another rivalry game in Colorado State traveling to Laramie to take on Wyoming. The border war was all Cowboys at the beginning, taking a 10-0 lead after a field goal and a touchdown pass from Andrew Peasley. The Rams would respond with a laser from Braden Fowler Nicolosi to Lewis Brown the fourth from 18 yards out, making it a 10-7 game going into halftime. Colorado State had a chance to take the lead after John Hoyland missed his second kick of the day, but Braden Fowler Nicolosi forced a ball to Dolan Hulker and got intercepted by Easton Gibbs. That would turn into another Wyoming touchdown pass for Andrew Peasley before the cycle repeated itself. Braden Fowler Nicolosi forced a third down throw that was picked off by Shea Suiyanoa and eight plays later, Sam Scott punched it in from six yards out to make it a 
24-7 lead for the Cowboys with 16 minutes to go. Things were bleak for the Rams after that disaster of a third quarter, but they got some life after Dom Jones snagged an Andrew Peasley pass deep in Wyoming territory, which was turned into a Braden Fowler Nicolosi to Dylan Goffney touchdown, plus the two-point conversion on a Philly special with Braden Fowler Nicolosi motioning out the running back getting the snap, who flipped it to Torrey Horton, who then threw the ball to the wide open Braden Fowler Nicolosi to make it a 24-15 game with 11 minutes to go. Colorado State got a stop on defense and drove down the field to the Cowboys 24-yard line, but a Shackton of Fool-esque miscue would doom the Rams, with the center snapping it early directly into Braden Fowler Nicolosi's face mask. Ball hits the ground, is picked up by Tice Westland, and returns 61 yards all the way to the two-yard line. Justice Ross Simmons showed incredible heart to track Westland down before he could score, and it would matter a whole lot with the Rams again stuffing Wyoming, this time at the goal line with two minutes left. Colorado State moved a bit down the field, but turned it over on downs with a minute to go to officially keep the bronze boot in Laramie. Wyoming gets back on track with an impressive defensive performance, taking their record to 6-3, and three, make it seven straight bowl appearances, excluding 2024 Craig Bowl. Colorado State has played three great teams in a row, and they've come up short each time, but with their year ending with San Diego State, Nevada, and Hawaii, bowl eligibility is certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Andrew Peasley had his typical performance, 15 of 22, 140 passing yards, two touchdowns, an interception, and 49 rushing yards. Harrison Whaley played phenomenal, 29 carries, 128 rushing yards, also had a 12-yard catch, but when you also consider the fact that he left the game for a good portion of the first half for some kind of injury, but he came back and made a real impact on this game, so credit to him, man. Easton Gibbs finished with seven tackles, a sack, and an interception. Shea Suyanoa had seven tackles and an interception, and Wyatt Eckler had seven tackles, which, by the way, I just found out he's Austin Eckler's brother, which I don't know how it took me that long to figure that out, but there that is if you didn't know it. Braden Fowler Nicolosi continues to be a roulette wheel, 24 of 42, 220 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and a fumble. Torrey Horton finished with seven catches for 58 receiving yards. He got banged up, though, was taking a lot of really big hits, so we'll see how that affects his status going forward. Lewis Brown the fourth had five catches for 55 receiving yards and a touchdown. Jack Howell had 10 tackles. Chase Wilson had nine tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks. And Dom Jones finished with four tackles, a deflection, and an interception. Next, we have Utah State traveling to Snapdragon Stadium to take on San Diego State, a must-win game for both teams. The first quarter was just thrilling with three punts, a turnover on downs, and a missed field goal. Jalen Maiden would find tight end Mark Redman in the end zone for the nine-yard opening score. The Aggies would get on the board with a field goal, but nothing else would happen before the end of the half. Utah State would get their first lead of the night with a 50-yard bomb from Cooper Lega to who else but Jalen Royals. Some punt trading would fill up the rest of the third quarter before Utah State crossed the goal line again with Devon Booth running it in from 19 yards out. The Aztecs tried a fake punt deep in their own territory and got stuffed, but luckily for them, Utah State couldn't make the most of it, failing to move the ball and missing the field goal attempt. Jalen Maiden led his guys down the field and found Keenan Kristen for a 10-yard touchdown catch, cutting the deficit to three with seven 
seven minutes left. Three punts would happen over the next six minutes until San Diego State got into field goal range and were able to tie the game at 17 with 33 seconds to play. Both squads got passing touchdowns in the first overtime, and the Aggies led off the second overtime with a Robert Briggs Jr. 20-yard touchdown run plus the two-pointer. The Aztecs couldn't move the ball this time, and eventually the game was over after Ike Larson picked off Jalen Maiden's fourth down attempt, sending Utah State to 4-5. and five. Blake Anderson inches closer to his ninth straight bowl game if you don't count 2020, while Brady Hoke and San Diego State lose a heartbreaker, making it six L's in the last seven games. Cooper Lega had a very solid game in his limited playing time, 11 of 15, 167 passing yards, and two touchdowns. He will be the starter going forward. A couple of running backs made a really good impact for the Aggies. Devon Booth had 13 carries, 77 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Robert Briggs Jr. had 59 rushing yards on nine carries and that game-winning touchdown. Terrell Vaughn and Jalen Royals both balled out. Vaughn had eight catches, 91 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And Jalen Royals had eight catches, 87 receiving yards, and a touchdown. MJ Tafisi had 13 tackles. Ike Larson had eight tackles, a tackle for loss, and that interception on the final play of the game. And Logan Peely, the BYU transfer, had eight tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack. Jalen Maiden did his best, man. 25 of 39, 265 passing yards, three touchdowns, an interception, and a fumble, but they wouldn't have been in that game without him. Bucky Sutton continues to be their lead power back, 11 carries, 86 rushing yards. Keenan Kristen, 10 carries, 35 rushing yards, and then through the air, he had eight catches, 76 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Brion Penny had four catches, 57 receiving yards, and his first ever touchdown. And Mark Redman had five catches for 44 receiving yards and a touchdown. Cody Moon finished with 13 tackles. Cyrus Fiaseu finished with six tackles and three sacks. My goodness. Cooper McDonald had seven tackles and one and a half TFLs. And Tupu Alualu had four tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack. Next up, we have Hawaii traveling to play Nevada, an elimination game in terms of bowl eligibility here in Reno. The first half took a long time for anything to happen with eight of the first 10 drives ending in punts, though Matt Shipley did hit a 50-yard field goal. After another Nevada punt, Hawaii marched down the field and scored the first touchdown of the game with four minutes left in the half, putting them up 10-0. The Rainbow Warriors would strike again with Braden Shager finding Pofele Ashlock for the 26-yard touchdown, making it 17-0 at halftime. The Wolfpack finally fought back with A.J. Bianco giving them some life and leading them down the field for a touchdown from Sean Dollars. Add on a three and out from Nevada's defense and it looked like the comeback was on until Bianco threw an interception on the very first play of the drive, leading to Pofele Ashlock's second touchdown catch two plays later. Thanks to a muffed punt shortly after, Nevada was basically handed another touchdown, Sean Dollars once again. The Rainbow Warriors would put a long drive together, but it petered out, leading to another Matt Shipley 50-yard attempt. He drilled it, making him the first kicker in Hawaii history with two 50-yarders in one game. Down 27-14 with 12 minutes left, Nevada had to work fast and simply didn't. They methodically moved down the field, but ultimately turned it over on fourth and goal after draining almost six minutes of clock. Nothing else would happen for the rest of the game, just more punt trading as Hawaii gets back in the win column while the Wolfpack have appeared to come back to earth. Braden Shager had a fine day, 21 of 38, 203 passing yards, two touchdowns, and actually ran for 49 rushing yards, did fumble as well. Landon Sims was their best running back, 11 carries, 65 rushing yards. Ophelia Ashlock played great, nine catches, 87 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. 
touchdowns. Jalen Smith had seven tackles and a sack. Andrew Troy had six tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, and half of a sack. Peter Manuma had five tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, and an interception. Isaiah Tufaga had four tackles, half a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble. And Elijah Robinson had three tackles and two sacks. AJ Bianco played for most of the game after Brendan Lewis got hurt, and he was okay. He gave them a bit of a spark, especially on the ground. Five for 14, 76 passing yards, an interception, and 63 rushing yards. Sean Dollars finished with 55 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Dalevon Campbell had four catches for 88 receiving yards. Imani Johnson had eight tackles, and James Hansen had two tackles for loss and a sack. And our final game of the week is UNLV traveling to Albuquerque to take on New Mexico, a big matchup for both teams who are both coming off of tough losses. The Rebels struck first using a long punt return to set up a 30-yard touchdown connection from Jaden Maiava to Ricky White. Another special teams miscue for the Lobos, a fumbled snap this time, would again give UNLV a head start, which led to a Vincent Davis five-yard touchdown run. New Mexico would cut into the lead with an Andrew Henry three-yard touchdown run, but their defense still had zero answers for the Rebels. Vincent Davis again crossed the goal line from five yards out, and the hits kept coming. Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt would be stripped on the next drive, which was picked up by Jet Elad and taken all the way to the five-yard line, which was converted into a touchdown by Donovan Lester on the next play to make it 28-7. The Lobos went three and out, gave up another long punt return, and were bowled over by Courtney Reese as the score became 35-7 with four minutes left in the half. Yep, we're not even at halftime yet. As the second half started, there was little hope for a Lobo comeback, but if any remained, UNLV snuffed it out with a 43-yard touchdown pass to Dominic Jacinto. You know the drill, New Mexico punts, UNLV gets a one-play touchdown, a 58-yard bomb to Ricky White. Now it's 49-7. The scoring would subside for the rest of the third quarter, but the Rebels had one more touchdown in them. Stop me if you heard this before, but another big punt return leads to a short touchdown run to make it 56-7. New Mexico did salvage one more score before the end of the game to make the final score look a little less embarrassing, but the game had been over for ages at this point. UNLV continues to impress while the Lobos are now on the very edge of the bowl eligibility cliff. Jaden Maiava played well again, 13 of 18, 247 passing yards and three touchdowns. Vincent Davis Jr. had nine carries for 64 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Ricky White continues to dominate with eight catches, 165 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Dominic Jacinto with 56 receiving yards and a touchdown. Marcel McDuffie led the way for the Rebels with six tackles. And Fisher K-Mac had four tackles, one and a half tackles for loss and a sack. Dylan Hopkins didn't turn the ball over, but also wasn't pushing the ball down the field too much. He went 15 of 23 for 187 passing yards. Corey Krosky Merritt had 21 carries, 86 receiving yards, and a fumble. Also had a receiving touchdown. DJ Washington had five catches for 78 receiving yards. Caleb Medford had four catches for 70 receiving yards. Derek Moore had eight tackles, and Drew Marius Lewis had six tackles. With week 10 out of the way, let's get down to what's in store for week 11. Starting with on Friday night, Wyoming taking on UNLV. The week kicks off with the biggest matchup, with this essentially being a conference championship elimination game. The Cowboys got back in the saddle by handling Colorado State while the Rebels absolutely decimated New Mexico. For Wyoming to get the road win, they'll need to get their run game going, get consistent pressure on Jaden Maiava, and force some turnovers. UNLV has to get Ricky White involved as much as possible. They can't allow more than one home run to the Cowboys ground game and have to get some takeaways a la their performance against New Mexico. My prediction, remember at the beginning of the season when one guy picked UNLV to win the conference and everyone, including their head coach was like, yeah, right, sure thing, buddy. He looks pretty smart now.
now, huh? The go-go offense has given everyone they've played fits, and even with how well Wyoming played defensively last week, it'd be surprising if they shut this team down too. I think Jada Maiava continues to be efficient and smart with the ball. The run game carries the offense, and the defense picks off Andrew Peasley twice to get UNLV to 8-2. My final UNLV 35, Wyoming 21. Next, we have New Mexico traveling to the blue turf to take on Boise State. Here's a game between two teams who desperately need a win. The Lobos are coming off a loss against UNLV where they got beat so badly that they fired their special teams coordinator. Boise State fought hard without their best player but came up short against Fresno State. But if Bronco fans weren't telling you that the sky was already falling as they reached the precipice of their first six-loss season since 1997, literally their second year in the FBS, star wide receiver Eric McAllister announced that he's leaving the team and entering the transfer portal. He's tied for seventh in the Mountain West in catches, second in yards, and tied for ninth in touchdown catches. Calling this a huge blow is an understatement. Hopefully his decision isn't the beginning of a trend or else this season could really go off the rails. Back to the game, George Holani will have to be even more effective than he was in Fresno as the passing game will not be nearly as lethal without their X-Factor receiver. The defense will need to force turnovers and limit Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt. If he's not rolling, New Mexico has a tough time moving down the field. For the Lobos to keep their bowl hopes alive, they have to hit some home runs in the passing game, protect the football, and pressure Maddox Madsen to really see what this Bronco passing game is made of. My prediction, while both teams are going to play extremely hard, I'd imagine Boise State has had a heck of a week in practice. They're going to come in mad and ready to run through a brick wall. I think the Broncos' defense really sets the tone, forcing multiple turnovers thanks to constant pressure on Dylan Hopkins. George Holani and Breezy Dubar combined for four touchdowns as the Broncos steady the ship for now. My final, Boise State 49, New Mexico 24. Next, we have the 3-6 and six bowl between San Diego State and Colorado State. Here's a classic bowl eligibility showdown with the winner keeping their hopes alive for another week while the loser hits the panic button. The Aztecs squandered an early lead and fell in double OT to Utah State while the Rams are on a three-game slide after getting wrangled by Wyoming. San Diego State will need to protect the football and get some big plays out of their running game. Colorado State needs Braden Fowler Nicolosi to push the ball down the field more and to stop throwing interceptions as well as needing the defense to keep everything in front of them to force the Aztecs to sustain their own offensive momentum. My prediction, neither of these offenses are trustworthy, but the Rams have much more explosiveness. Even if Braden Fowler Nicolosi isn't perfect, which he won't be, he'll take shots to his playmakers, which will turn into several big play scores for Colorado State. The Aztecs offense can't get out of its own way as Jay Norvell and the Rams cruise at home to stay alive in the bull chase. My final Colorado State 34, San Diego State 20. Next, we have Fresno State traveling to San Jose to take on the Spartans. The battle for the Valley, baby. Let's get into it. The Bulldogs held off a late surge by Boise State to improve to 8-1, while the Spartans got the week off after their dominating 35-0 win against Hawaii. Also, knock on wood, but if San Jose State wins out, they're probably in the conference championship. Just saying. For them to win this one, though, they need their running back tandem of Kyrie Robinson and Quali Conley to keep tearing it up. Chevin Cordiero needs to be ready to make plays if the run game sputters, and the defense has to find a way to contain Malik Sherrod. Fresno State has to get some takeaways and consistently pick up chunk plays through the air. My prediction, it's really hard to pick against Jeff Tedford and his Bulldogs, who are 16-1 and in their last 17 games, but I think I'm going to take the bait. San Jose State has been playing lights out, has a week of rest and home field advantage. Fresno State has let some lesser opponents hang around the past few weeks, and doing that here 
cost them dearly. After multiple lead changes, it's Chevin Cordero who scrambles in from a few yards out with a few seconds left on the clock to put the Spartans up for good as the fans rush the field to celebrate the return of the Valley Trophy. My predicted final San Jose State 35, Fresno State 34. And last but not least, we have Air Force traveling to the islands to take on Hawaii. The spirit levels of these teams' fan bases are on opposite ends of their records. The Rainbow Warriors controlled the game the whole way against Nevada, while the Falcons had a stunningly poor showing against Army and likely lost their shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. For Hawaii to pull this off, Braden Shager has to play out of his mind, and so do Pofele Ashlock and Stephen McBride. The defense will need to get some takeaways and force the Falcons to take field goals whenever possible. Air Force just has to take a deep breath, run the ball down Hawaii's throats, and pressure Braden Shager, and they should get back to their winning way. My prediction, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what went so wrong for Air Force last week, but whatever it was, I doubt lightning strikes twice. The Falcons hold on to the football with two hands on every play and provide a textbook example on how to control the flow of a ball game. Hawaii scores a pair of touchdowns, but that's all they can eke out against a defense that is still elite. The Falcons regain their balance and likely get back into the top 25. My final, Air Force 28, Hawaii 14. Last order of business, this week's Hikes Peak Weekly MVP. Honorable mentions to Ricky White and Cyrus Fiaseyu, but Malik Sherrod is going to be the choice here. He had a truly legendary showing, 132 rushing yards and the game-clinching touchdown, 28 more yards in the receiving game, and of course the 95-yard kick return touchdown in the dying seconds of the first half. Congrats on going down in bulldog lore forever, Malik. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode where we'll talk about what went down in week 10 and get you ready for week 11. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that, so any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. Crazy to think that the season only has a few weeks left, but we're going to appreciate every second that's left of it together. Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.